WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is Arts Editor Skylar Ashley, filling in for publisher Burl Schwartz. On today's show, we're going to learn about what it's like to be a skateboarder in Lansing and what it's like to run a food truck. Sir Nico Williams grew up in Detroit and got into skateboarding after finding a discarded Scooby-Doo skateboard that somebody abandoned in his front lawn. His grandfather began taking him up to Lansing to skate at the local parks, and since moving to Lansing, he's been a fixture on the scene ever since. I interviewed Sir Nico for City Pulse's Favorite Things feature, but I ended up learning way more than just what his favorite thing is, which is obviously a skateboard. But my conversation with Sir Nico taught me a lot about what it's like to immerse yourself in the sport and what the skating culture is like here in Lansing. Let's check it out. Tell me about um, when did you pick up the current deck that you're riding? Tell me about that. Uh, the current deck that is actually broken, but I picked that up um, probably less than a month ago from Brush Alley Skate Shop. One of my favorite local skate shops in Flint, and actually of all of Michigan, just because they're seen and uh, the people that uh, run the place are super cool. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the details of the deck, like you know the deck, the the parts on it. Tell me everything about it. Um, I ride reels specifically, so I picked up another reel, but this one's actually a bit different from a majority of the reels that I've ridden. It's a twin tail, and it's also an eight five, which is referring to width but obviously you probably already know that. Um, uh-huh. It's and, uh, uh, Michelle's ponytail. It's super cool. Um, I love the color. The graphic's sick. And you said Real. Is that the brand, R-E-A-L? Yep, correct. All right, cool. And um, what kind of trucks do you ride? Uh, Thunders. I want to switch to Independent, but I've ridden Thunders all my life. All right. So we got the details about the deck there. How, how did you get into skateboarding? When did you get your first board? How old were you? Um, I got my first board when I was 11. It was actually left in our front yard when I lived in Detroit at the time. It was just like an old red uh, like Target or Myers board of some sorts. Um, Scooby-Doo brand, I remember that pretty vividly. But, uh, yeah, that was my first board. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you learn? Did you just ride that thing around all day? Just tell me the story of learning learning to skateboard. Um, as for learning, uh, my grandpa, who had lived in Lansing at the time while I was in Detroit, would come and pick me up and take me out to the local skate park in Lansing. So I guess I would just uh, take to locals pretty well, you know, try to learn from them, uh, skate around, make friends. But a majority of my time learning was spent in like my front yard or like front sidewalk, just trying to pop ollies or watching skate videos and mimicking what they did. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me, uh, do you have any specific memories from those days, like a specific story that you remember fondly? Uh, stories from the skate park or from, like, my house in Detroit? Um, just from your early days of skating. You, you can choose. Okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, so around age 12, which is about a year later after I had found that board, and I wasn't super consistent right away with it, so it wasn't like I was considering myself a skater right at that uh, point where I got that first board. But um, So the Scooby-Doo board that I had found in my front yard, uh, I remember about a year later coming up to the park at Rainy, 
and wanting to like do uh, more, I guess, you know, you, is what you could say. I wanted to advance my skills, and um, I tried dropping into the bowl, and the wheels from a Scooby-Doo skateboard completely shattered. And I remember like comparing them to other people's wheels, and other people's wheels were solid, uh, made of urethane, while the Scooby-Doo wheels uh, on the board that I found were hollow, which is why they had, like, cracked and, like, did a whole bunch of weird stuff. I thought that was really interesting. And that's also what led to me wanting to get my first actual, like, skateboard from a shop that I knew could be, like, legit and ridden, like, really hard. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. When did you get your first legit deck? Um, when I was 13. It was about two years uh, after the first one, and then I had begged my mom and grandparents uh, to give me an actual board from a skate shop, but of course they, you know, wanted to wait until they found out I was actually serious about the sport and that it was well worth the money of putting up for, you know, a skateboard, because those things aren't cheap. So, uh huh. It was from Modern, uh, back when they had a location in the skate park. In Frandor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember, remember that place. Like, local skate shop experience. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about uh, getting serious. Like, what helped you, like, really sharpen your skills when, you know, you were getting a little bit older, 14, 15, 16? What were those days like? Um, Interesting question. Uh, I had a few friends that I had picked up from, you know, the local park, of course. Um, But I guess it really started getting serious when I would just spend a majority of my time watching skate videos or, you know, spend a majority of my time up at the skate park wanting to be around friends. Um, I guess even up until now, I still don't really take it, like, 100% seriously, but it is, like, one of my main hobbies and something I do love with a passion. So um, I guess I could say that the moment when I found that it was serious would be During um, high school, actually, uh, I was offered mm-hmm. multiple spots on, like, sports teams just because they liked the way that I, like, played or whatever, and they thought I was, like, a good fit, but honestly, I didn't want to do any of that. I just would rather have gone and skated or, you know, done whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, how did those people react when you said, no, nah, I don't want to do that, I want to skateboard? What did they um, say to you? <laughs> Well, in my in my head at the time, I had it broken down to where that I specifically didn't like organized sports. So that was what I was telling all the coaches and, um, you know, team players, you know, that wanted me on their team. And I was just like, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather go have fun, you know, by myself or with homies or friends rather than do a school sport that's not going to matter after high school. They reacted, I mean, I guess kind of understandably, but more surprised or awed that the fact that I could want to do something that, didn't matter outside of school because honestly, I had never really cared about any of the extracurricular things at school. I was more of just like get my shit done and leave so I could go skate or go do whatever <laughs> I had that day. Um, what is it that you know truly attracted it to you? Like, tell me a bit about the culture and how it draw, draws you in. Um, the culture of skateboarding is hella diverse. You could literally be from any walk of life in skateboard, which is why uh, it's so easy to make friends, you know, um, whether it's at the park, you know, in the streets, anywhere, uh, skateboarding can happen. Um, the people are just so diverse and you can meet any type of person. I mean, that's both a good and a bad thing, but 
I prefer it to be good just because of all the people that I've met and mm-hmm. have the chance um, to surround myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, flashing forward to you know today, the uh, present. Uh, tell me about how you damaged your board. Is there a story behind that? Uh, why it's damaged or how damaged is it? Uh, both, I guess. <laughs> um, well, actually, this one's uh, pretty, pretty funny. I ran my skateboard over with my car like an idiot. Oh, damn. This is actually the first time it's happened and probably the last time because I will always remember to secure my board in the car before taking off. But um, usually they don't break like that. Usually they break from actually skateboarding or, you know, street skating or going to a spot, trying to trick forever just till it breaks. Um, the current condition it's in is destroyed. I, it can't be ridden right now. I ordered a new board already, though. Tell me a bit about, like, your favorite, like, condition. Like, what's like what's your perfect day of skating? You know, is it, like, by yourself, through your headphones, with all your buddies? Like, describe a perfect skating day to me. Um, okay, perfect skating day. Definitely would have to be surrounded by homies, uh, friends, loved ones, you know, having a good time. Skating by myself is cool, but, you know, at the end of the day, it'll either get boring or a little lonesome maybe, but um, definitely surrounded by friends, good people, good vibes. Um, I prefer to be in the streets rather than at the park just because the obstacles are a little bit more challenging and, I don't know, it just helps me focus a little bit more, but definitely the park is where you progress and learn and have the most fun for sure. Um Weather-wise, it would be a little cloudy, not super hot. Um, maybe a little bit of wind, but not too much, you know. And then oh. literally I could skate for eight hours plus if those conditions are right. I could skate all day. You're listening to City Pulse on the air on Impact 88.9 FM. I'm Skylar Ashley. Deanna Brown opened her food truck, Everything is Cheesecake, back in 2019, and it's been her main gig ever since. The truck has gotten rave reviews on social media thanks to her gourmet custom cheesecakes. I mean, where else in town serves literally only cheesecake? I think it was a smart idea to corner that market. I talked to Deanna about the struggles and advantages of running a food truck versus a brick and mortar restaurant, especially during the chaotic times of the coronavirus pandemic. Without further ado, let's check out my interview with Deanna Brown. How has the coronavirus pandemic, you know, which has been going on and, you know, we've had different things affecting businesses, you know, the waves of closures, just how really has the past year been for you as a owner of a food truck? I think because we have a food truck, it's, you know, we're, our pickup concept is, is always, you know, it, it, it hasn't really altered the way that we go about business because, um, you know, we're set up for, for pickup, you know what I mean? Whereas uh-huh. a lot of cust- a lot of restaurants had to kind of change the way that they conducted business because there was, you know, you couldn't come in and sit down and dine. You had to, you know, adjust to only, like, delivery or pickup only, whereas, you know, a lot of the food trucks were already set up in that capacity. Um, one challenging thing that's been pretty difficult is, you know, because we have a pickup uh, window, you know, it puts you front face with customers and you know a lot of customers uh during the pandemic didn't come out 
as often as they they did because of the coronavirus and being that up close and and personal with customers. Um, For a while, we decided to even close down, even though we could have been open to sell, you know, to customers face-to-face. We decided to close just to take those precautions, you know, um, Uh during those times um, because business had declined some. And then uh, customers and then even we, didn't really want to have that type of interaction that close, you know, especially during the start of the pandemic and as the numbers started to increase, we just thought, you know, for everyone's safety, it'd be better off. We just kind of closed down for a while. We were really uh, concerned with the whole uh, COVID situation. We did uh, ask that all of our customers wear masks. We wore masks. We wore gloves. You know, we also put out um, stickers on our parking lot where people stand and wait to get cheesecakes, we put uh, stickers out, you know, to keep six feet distance between, you know, the customers waiting in the line to respect each other, you know, that way. So uh-huh. it's just been it's been pretty difficult. I think now that the vaccinations are out, uh, the vaccines are out, and people are becoming vaccinated, that, um, you know, people are more willing to and feeling more comfortable right now. I guess I should say a little bit. How how things been? Um past few months since the new year hit how's 2021 um, going so far i i think it's going pretty good you know i honestly feel like it, it is going pretty good right now um you know you still have some people who are skeptical about you know just getting out and being around people you know whether it be waiting in line going into a restaurant i know as far as me and my family we take a lot of stuff to go we don't we don't really sit out in restaurants right now even though they're open, you know, for dining, we still support restaurants, but it's more of on a capacity of a, uh, like a pickup or delivery option. How is, uh, do you think there's any, been any changes in, uh, say your customer base or are you getting the support that you need from, uh, your regulars? Uh, what, what's that situation like? I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like we've been doing pretty good. I'm, I know at once upon a time it was a whole lot more, um, you know, but we're 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 working through that, trying to um, you know introduce some new different types of flavors, um, a couple of new products. Um, I'm actually really trying to explore some other options as far as uh, for delivery only, and and we we don't have that right now. Um, but I'm actually working on uh, implementing something that will uh, able us to thrive off delivery options. So. Thinking about partnering up with, like, Grubhub or DoorDash and, you know, some of those type of uh, delivery uh, companies to try to increase sales that way. Uh, what is it like to own and operate a food truck? What, what does it take to be successful? Oh, my gosh, you have to be willing to work. It's a lot of work, you know, and um, we don't take our food truck on the road. Uh, for those who do, I would imagine it's a, a lot more work. Uh, we are stationed at, you know, our location on Cedar Street, and we've never moved. So customers are familiar with us. We don't have to try to guess where we are and all of those types of things. So it makes it easier upon us. But if anyone is thinking about owning or operating a food truck, it is very fun. If you like to interact with customers, if you're looking for a job where your your day can change consistently, then definitely go for it. But if you're the type of person that's scared of working hard, then running a food truck is not for you. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, your brand is 
You know, it's all cheesecake. Uh, how did you? Uh, what What made you decide on that concept? And, honestly, uh, honestly, Skylar, you know, besides brownies, cheesecake is my favorite dessert. So I wanted to try to um, definitely go with something that I enjoy. Um, I know also, too, cheesecake happens to be one of those type of desserts that you can get very creative on, um, whether it be sweet or savory. And we tend to get really creative when it comes to cheesecake, and that makes it so much fun because I'm always trying to create something new. Um, so I, I just decided to, to get into something that I knew that I would enjoy. I love to bake, and I love to eat cheesecake. So it was like, why not? It was like a no-brainer. Let's just do cheesecake and go from there, and I'm I'm so happy I did because cheesecake is also one of those kind of uh, desserts that you don't find many places. I mean, you can go to a lot of different restaurants or like a fair. You, you see cupcakes and caramel corn and elephant ears and cookies and all that kind of stuff, but it's really hard to find a really good cheesecake, and I know since being a cheesecake connoisseur, I was really particular in, on cheesecake and, and know what good cheesecake tastes like, and to go to some of these restaurants and have it, it was quite disappointing. So I wanted to come into the game and, and kind of switch it up a little bit. Well, means you decided to go with a truck instead of a brick-and-mortar restaurant or anything else. Why'd you, well, why'd you pick a truck? You know, to be totally honest, um, starting a brick-and-mortar, any type of restaurant business, um, especially being in a brick-and-mortar, is very expensive. You know, especially if you're talking about building out your entire kitchen. I mean, we're you're up in the hundreds of thousands of dollars if that's what you're wanting to do. And in most cases, you know, by the time you buy equipment and, you know, really outfit your uh, building for your particular needs can be very expensive. So I wanted to try to get a food truck because I didn't want, initially, I didn't want to be stationary. I wanted to grow my brand, you know, to be able to take it to different cities or, you know, to different festivals and events so people can come become familiar with who everything Cheesecake was. And to be totally honest, for anyone who's starting off um, and looking to expand their business, a food truck is a really great option um, to have because it allows you to get on the road so people can visibly see your brand, be able to go to different cities and people be able to taste the products that you're producing, and, you know, with the sense of doing that, you're you're getting exposure. So, you know, when you do decide to open your brick and mortar, people are familiar with who you are and the great products that you have to offer. Uh, you mentioned that everything is cheesecake. Like right now it's stationary. You know, you stay at that location at Cedar Street. But have, have you taken it anywhere else? Have, have you taken it on the road at all? I have not. Um, we have plans to kind of do some things. Um, so the food the food trailer may be going away soon, but um, I, I hope to have a, a driving truck where we'll be able to drive it. Uh, a trailer is something that you have to hitch to the back of the car, and that can be quite a headache, you know, but to you maneuver take around. It if you wanted to, if you wanted to, you could. Yeah, that's why we're okay. we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit. Okay. So you say that there might be plans to upgrade to a fully functioning truck in the future, perhaps? Oh, sure, definitely. Mm-hmm. You're listening to City Pulse on the Air on Impact 88.9 FM. This is City Pulse Arts Editor Skylar Ashley. That about does it for today's show. We're going to close off with music writer Richard Topeka, who will play for us a rare tune 
from Michigan's deep musical history. We'll be back next week with a brand new show. This is arts editor Skylar Ashley signing off, and here's Rich. Hi City Pulse listeners, the track you're about to hear is from Lansing's first rock and roll band, the Blue Echoes. These guys formed way back in 1957. They uh, attended Lansing's Resurrection High School, loved rock and roll, and started gigging across uh, the region. The uh, single I'm going to play is called It's Witchcraft. It's this rockabilly rock and roll single from 1959, pressed up on Bond Music Records. Um, But yeah, they they kind of have a cult following now. They've been included on box sets of old primitive rock and roll and kind of cramp-style music here, but well before the cramps, decades before the cramps. These guys were the first wave of rock and roll, and they were doing it right here in Lansing. Um, and if you want to, you can check them out. They actually still gig. Uh, the, the two guys, the the primary members of the Blue Echoes, will still gig occasionally, and they are still amazing. I actually had a chance to interview them a few years back, and I recorded them jamming inside elderly instruments, and I posted that up on YouTube. If you want to check that out, they're still at it. But if you were around in Lansing back in the 50s and 60s, uh, you might remember the Blue Echoes. So check it out. Here is It's Witchcraft from the Blue Echoes.
You just heard It's Witchcraft from the Blue Echoes, Lansing's first ever rock and roll band. And uh, we got time for one more track from the Blue Echoes, actually. So here's one of their later singles, Oh Miss. Oh, 